I wanted to speak on out of the first book of Kings this afternoon, but I had something else come to my mind while I was back there singing. I asked you to turn with me to the 15th chapter of John, since we were reading from the 16th and a little bit from the 14th chapter this morning. I'd like for us closing out today's services to look at the 15th and to hopefully understand, you know, we, we spoke this morning on our peace is in Him, and this afternoon I pray to be made able to speak to you on the fact that He is the true vine and we are to abide in Him. He says here in the first verse, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, He taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, He purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same, bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And the men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. He exhorts his apostles to, and I believe the fact that it's, it was recorded, that this exhortation applies to all his saints, to abide in him. And the fact is that he is the true vine from which we, we derive all of our strength and vigor to bring forth much fruit unto him. We do it willingly, as Paul wrote, I believe he wrote to the Philippian church, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not speaking of a of the eternal salvation there, but he's speaking of their own sanctification. Exhorting them in the 12th verse, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have also always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to do or both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So Christ told his disciples to abide in him, told his disciples that he was the true vine and that they were the branches. Now, if Peter and John and James and the other disciples, if they were the branches, then how can anyone who has come after them, how can any of us, you know, think that we're any more than a branch? They were the branches. Christ is the vine. You know, you go out and you take take a grapevine, and this is kind of what, what he's alluding to here, take a grapevine and snip off a branch from the grapevine, and it'll wither up. It'll dry up because it no longer receives the sap that flows through that vine. It no longer receives its nourishment. The minerals, the roots pull out of the ground. It doesn't receive the sugars that the plant itself generates and distributes equally across that whole vine. Being Plucked off from the vine, the grape will no, the the branch will no longer bring forth grapes for our enjoyment. It'll wither, and with such things, he says the those vines are taken and they're cast forth into the fire. Paul reminding the Philippian church that they are to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, a man cannot work out his own eternal salvation. That's something that is. As, jo- as Jonah said in the belly of the whale, uh, salvation is of the Lord. And yet the term salvation is uh, has a general meaning. It really just means deliverance. And we have to understand 
taking it what the context of deliverance means, depending on what the you know what the apostles writing here in Philippians, you'll find that he is exhorting the church to not do anything with a vain mind and being puffed up with pride, but to walk as Christ walked with a humility. He says here in the in the second verse of the second chapter, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like minded, having the same love, being one being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Then in the twelfth verse, he he goes on to give them the example of the mind of Christ, who being in the, well, I'll just go to the sixth verse, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So now Christ, as John wrote in the first chapter of his gospel account that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Christ was in the beginning with God. He was God. He created all things. There was not anything that was made that was made without Him. And yet, Paul reminds the Philippian church that he thought it not Robert to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. So, you have God, the creator of the universe, all the things that are therein, all the inhabitants, taking upon himself the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. He was not made in the likeness of an angel or of some powerful spirit or of some powerful being, but when he came to this earth as, as the Son of God, as the shepherd of his sheep, he came in the likeness of men. And notice that he was in the likeness of man. He wasn't man himself. He was not born after Adam. He was in all ways tempted like we are, yet without sin. And Paul reminds the Philippian church that he was he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And not just a common death, not death that was accidental or death due to old age or death due to illness, but a very brutal and horrific death, which was the death of the cross. One of, if not the most harsh form of capital punishment ever devised by mankind, a crucifixion upon the cross at Calvary. They've had several, there's been several people to examine the process of death of crucifixion. And when you begin to study it, you realize that normally crucifixion, death takes several days to occur. And it's a very slow and agonizing death. Now Christ's death was exemplary in the fact that he was the propitiation for our sins, but also in the fact that he died the same day he was crucified. Such the agony that was laid upon him, and at the same time, the feast, the feast drawing nigh, he had to be off that cross by the by the feast by the start of the feast day. But Paul's Paul's example, Paul's writing here to the Philippian church, the, the example of Jesus. That here you had God coming in the form of, of a man, make, taking upon the form of a servant humbling himself not just to a common death, but to a horrific death. And now we see him here writing, saying, Wherefore God has also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father." So his exhortation to the Philippian church is to have this mind in them, what better example do we have than the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ? In His humble walk, to abide in Him means to walk as He walked. 
That comes to us from from the book of First John, chapter two, verse six. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Now the Lord said, "Abide in me, and I in you." And He reminds His disciples that I am the vine, you are the branches. And, there, and He said, He tells them that whoever abides in Him brings forth much fruit. So, what does it mean to really, from a from a day-to-day standpoint, what does it mean to abide in Him? You know, some people might say, "Well, it, well, to me, it's a very it's a very spiritual thing." And, and the problem is, the modern definition of spiritualism can kind of get can kind of actually lead you to subjectivism where you're really just depending on some kind of emotional response within your own self to identify that you are abiding in Christ. When the epistles, especially this epistle laid out by the Apostle John, defines very clearly what it means to abide in Christ. And he tells them to abide in Him means to walk even as He walked. Now Christ time and time again said, My will is to do the will of Him that sent me. And that is the will of the Father. And so John writing here to the to his, to his audience in the first epistle, uh, the third verse of the second chapter says, "Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments." Now he now Jesus said in the fourteenth chapter of of John, "If you love me, keep my commandments." And here in the first chapter of John two verse three, John writing says, "We do know him. We do know that we know him if we keep his commandments." And he is speaking of an assurance which is ministered upon the believer's hearts, that by that in keeping his commandments we grow in a communion with Christ and we are and there is a, an assurance ministered unto us in walking as he walked. He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now let's be very careful because we don't keep his commandments perfectly and John is talking about one that walks in a sinful way, one that walks in all manner of sin and, con- and that is completely contradictory to what Christ taught. But, but he re- and I say that because we have to keep in mind what he says in the first chapter in the ninth verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in confession unto God for our sins, and our sins, and I know my, personally speaking, my sins are many. He reminds us that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He is faithful to Jesus Christ. He is just in that Christ has paid for all of our sins. And He forgives us our sins. But not only that, but He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So you have a progression here throughout the life of the saint of sanctification unto God by Jesus Christ. And confession is one of those, means, is one of those avenues by which we are progressively sanctified. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. Going back to abiding in him, he said, taking this in light of what he says here, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. And he says, but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. So by walking after Christ and seeking, seeking the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, we have that assurance ministered unto us that we know that we are in Him because the love of God being perfected in us, we are keeping His Word. Remember what Paul wrote. It's not of our strength because Paul wrote, It is God which worketh in you both the will and the to do. That's Philippians 2.13. The will and the to do of His own good pleasure. So any good that we do is of God and any evil that we do is of ourselves. And then if we turn to the fifth chapter of John, 
He says here in the first verse, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth Him that begat loveth Him also that is begotten of Him. So he's telling them here that the one believing that Jesus Christ, that person is born of God, or believeth that Jesus is the Christ, that person is born of God. What is he saying? He's saying the person that the one believing, I use the one believing because the word whosoever is not in the original text. The one believing that Jesus, Yeshua, the, the Savior, is the Christ. Now the word Christ means the anointed one. The anointed one of God. God's anointed one. That person is born of God. So someone might say, well, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Well, what does that mean? Because what John is defining it as, the one believing that Jesus is God's anointed one. God's anointed one to, to be the Savior of His people. As, as uh, I can't quote it now, I read it to you this morning. As Peter said there in the fourth chapter of Acts, that there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved but by Jesus Christ. And then Jesus himself expounded to or declared to his, his apostles in the 14th chapter of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. So here, John declares, and he's really declaring this in opposition to the Antichrist, because the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, works as such that would have us believe that Jesus is not the Christ, that Jesus did not come in flesh. But John declares here that here's the test. Those believing in Je that Jesus is the Christ, is the anointed one of God, are born of God. And everyone that loveth Him to beget, everyone that loveth the Father, loveth Him also that is begotten of Him. So to love the Father means to love the Son. So you cannot have a love for God apart from a love for the Son. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. We're not keeping His commandments to, to save ourselves from, from the judgment. Because he tell, Paul, Paul tells us, as I read to you from the fifth chapter of Romans this morning, we have been justified, being just much more now being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. So being saved from the wrath through Jesus Christ, we are exhorted to keep His commandments as a show of our love unto Him, our love unto God, our love unto Jesus. And in keeping His commandments and abiding in Him and trusting in Him to enable us to keep His commandments, we abide in Him and we have this wondrous assurance ministered daily unto our hearts. So, brethren, I hope in my weak way I was able to expound on that some this afternoon. It's kind of short, but that's just kind of what was on my mind. It came to me earlier today while we were sitting back here singing. And I just hope that that will minister to us and edify us throughout the coming week. Thank you.